So th- this person uh, on Twitter, Shabazz Khan, he asked, he or she asked two questions. Uh, the first one was kind of a joke question, which is, have you seen anything about Half-Life or Portal at Valve? Like, any clues? And should have known that would be the first question. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, um, I can just say I've been working on various things. Um, of course. Yeah. I, <laughs> like at Valve, the beauty is you can work on multiple things and whatever you're interested in and who, whoever you want to work with, if they also want to work with you, um, and you bring something to the table, you can do that. Um, so I'm just working on various things. Um, um neither confirm nor deny sort of thing. Um, I think it would be most useful to um, talk about my personal experience. That way I won't have to answer annoyingly. (laughs) Uh, And the other question they had was, have you worked on any, like as far as your art goes, has you worked on anything that's like Arctic or like Borealis or anything like that? Oh, I'm gonna have to give the same response. I'm truly sorry <laughs> for having done so. <laughs> but yeah, I worked on like theme, autumn sale and like uh, winter sale, the awards, like those trophy skins, the Steam Awards skins on all those trophies. Um, I did one of the one of the skins for that. So we had to make like a tessellating pattern to fit the theme of the award. Um, so that kind of thing is my strength. Um, and also getting into writing and like um, and editing and stuff. So yeah, it's it's really a good place if you're interested in, in many different things. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's like the power that comes with that is, a little bit overwhelming because you you're free to work on anything so it, it's almost paralyzing because it's like oh my gosh i have so many things to do so many opportunities possibilities um but like i feel like also a total edge case like a total outlier um because i came to game development through a totally circuitous and winding path and the likelihood of of people who are listening to this um finding a job that's equal to or better than mine right now um is is much greater because i started out in a much at a very unlikely position um i started out as a proposal writer and like technical writer for um uh an it contractor for the u.s department of health department of health and human services so like doing some web design, I took night classes in web design because I wanted to get into that to skill up. And so... Oh, how'd you, how'd you find those classes? Um, I, it was in Northern Virginia, and I think I Googled, like, learn HTML and CSS. Like, it was something dumb like that. And I found, um, like, the ACE program, it's what it's called. It's just, like, night classes for adult learning, like, learning annex type thing. And I went on Saturdays and... Cause I'm not a good self teacher. Like I, it's hard for me to teach myself things. Um, so I need a classroom setting. Like I need a more formal thing. So I spent 10 years um, at that IT contractor doing graphic design and technical writing and proposal writing and web design and, and copy editing. So wow. kind of, I've been preparing 
my whole life for where I am right now, like getting into all sorts of things because I just can't help it. Like, I feel like I have things to contribute to all these different areas. And fortunately, people have agreed with me sometimes. A lot of times they, <laughs> I've come across areas where I truly don't belong and I realize that. <laughs> but I just try to play to my strengths and learn in areas where I have aptitude and interest and something that's needed. Um, and also doing art on the side, like just doing digital art. Like um, one of the first pieces I tried to, like, I wanted to make something that would go viral. Like it, I seen like, I saw like someone do, uh, I mean, I was just always in awe of like cat art on the internet, basically. It sounds really dumb, but cat art, like it's something that's so, uh, in the zeitgeist, like this was like seven years ago when cats began to take over the internet. And I was watching Orphan Black and I was like, what if the cast of Orphan Black were cats? Like what if it was just like cats dressed up in all the Orphan Black sisters outfits? And so I did that and that went kind of viral because I tweeted at like the, the actors and like the sh official show accounts on social media. So that kind of went viral. So I started doing that over and over again for like Parks and Recreation cats and like Game of Thrones cats. I did Game of Sits. So that and like Orange is the New Black cats and like Stranger Things cats. Uh, if you Google those things, you can see what I what I mean. But that's where I sort of got a sense that um, if you like kind of um, tap into like you kind of hack into the human brain when you do things with cute and endearing and charming characters where people it's almost like this limbic reaction. They have to share it or, or click it or like it or whatever. And it seems really cheap and bad and cheesy to say it in those terms. But like, it's just finding a need on the internet that's not been fulfilled and like creating something that fills this need. Like if you like two different things, mash them up. Like mashup culture is the best because there's nothing new under the sun. So the only way to create something new is by combining two or three or multiple things. So the template is like, it's like blank, but with blank. Like, that's my favorite thing. I think that's a good way to create novel things. Yeah, I, I posted a link on a chat of, from, I just did a search and found one of your tweets. It probably wasn't your vi the most viral of your tweets, but it was like the first result. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I remember seeing those from you, and it was after I met you, and I was like, what? I did not know that you were, like, famous on the internet for this. <laughs> oh, God. It feels really bad. It feels so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the, I, th I feel like uh, I'm the least competent person in this chat right now, um, because everyone, just by being here and listening to this right now, um, you have more aptitude and and you're on a better trajectory than I was. Oh, especially for students in art school. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you're set up from the beginning. I, I majored in English and business, like, and I did like web games with my friends on the side. So I always, I'd always been into video games, but I never fathomed that you could make a career in it. Because even ten years ago, the knowledge and the information was just not out there. It wasn't as wildly accessible as it is today. Um, you could just learn everything on YouTube if you wanted to. It may not be the best way, but yeah, being in a, a formal program for that is like uh, you're miles ahead of where I was. Yeah. So Ian asked in chat, uh, can you talk about the, how you worked on games with your friends during that time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So like the best way I've found is just to like, you know, your friends are naturally going to share interests with you because you like doing the same things and you find the same things funny. So like if your friend has a different skill set from you, even if it's slightly different, you can like come together and make something cool. Um, if you're a creative person at all, I'm sure you're, you're already doing this. <clears throat> but one of the first games I made was called Ding Dingle Fling. And it was about a long-haired cat, and I won't go into it, but it is a scatological game. Um, there, <laughs> there are dingles being flung. Um, you, the player, control where it lands. So it, I think it's like still on my kittycassandra.com site, which is like this ancient bad, bad, bad site. Um, my first like <laughs> site. But I think one of the tabs is dingle fling. So you, it's still playable, and it looks like absolute shit. <laughs> and so it's still out there. Um, but then when I found Northern Virginia and the DC area to be like it, the jobs there were not great. Like it didn't have the, the creative freedom that I was looking for and the type of work I was doing, um, consisted of designing infographics and like, um, writing newsletters. And, um, so I moved out to Seattle and. I found people that liked making games as much as I did. And I, I didn't find that in DC. Maybe I just wasn't looking hard enough, but um, coming to Seattle has been like a whole, whole new world. Cause there are people that share an interest in gaming and making art And Portland is even better on, on the art side of things. Like the Portland indie game squad is my favorite. Um, but yeah, just finding a community of people who enjoy making things together on their free time. They find that fun. That's the best. Um, yeah, I I often tell people like to get in the habit of just making the stuff as well, uh, and that seems to be the the main industry wisdom right now too. Mhm, mhm, <laughs> yeah, because that's what what's going to get you hired is that you make a thing and it is great in its own right. Like, however, like uh, it's going to be small scale because it's probably going to be a small team of you and your friends or just you. But if it's a great thing or it goes goes viral or it's well regarded or shared by the right people or you submit it with an application and people see that, that's your portfolio. That's that's your golden ticket. Um, if you make something great, that immediately strikes people. Yeah, and one of the things that I hope students are seeing from a lot of these AMAs is that many of these professionals spend years trying to break into the industry. And so you like be just getting into the rhythm of just working on stuff when you can and never like instead of dreaming about making stuff go ahead and make it <laughs> uh, and that'll that'll help a long way towards like being in it for the long haul of preparing yourself for the career and everything like that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I especially had to whether i knew it or not during that time i was just grinding it out like with the day job like an office day job that didn't have anything to do with gaming but it kind of had some, like, it was like gaming adjacent, like it had some web stuff and like some creating art assets for infographics. So like skills that you can apply to games, but I'm doing that as my day job um, for an IT contractor. Like even if you just work in IT, that'll set you up with like the soft skills that you'll need to like be easy to work with and know what it's like to recognize in another person. Oh, I like the, their style of working with people. Like. Um, people like to work with them. They're very respectful. And when they disagree, it's in the best interest of the project. And they, and they do it tactfully. And here's the reason why I don't agree with this. And 
and here's how we can make it better, constructive criticism. So just like generally learning to work with people is a very important skill and just being respectful and good at what you do. Um, and um, yeah, just soft skills are very important and, um, and you can pick those up in any day job really. Um, so Axiom, I'll let you finish. Um, like having the goal of going directly into games, into the game industry, is a little bit rare, um, I guess, unless your student project is like outstanding. And but I think, yeah, like especially at Valve because Valve only hires like pretty much senior people who've been in, in, and not even necessarily games, but doing anything in a way that's unique and and demonstrates creativity and unconventional thinking and and multidisciplinary thinking. Um, if you're a Renaissance person. That's really valuable um, if you're good at multiple things, but also really good at one thing. If you're T-shaped, that's a good thing. Yeah, I remember hearing Valve say that they don't hire anyone unless they have like what five years industry experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I critique Valve a lot for their like organizational design, and I'm like, I don't know if that's the best way to make a company, but I'm like, whatever, it's their company. <laughs> Let them design it how they want. Mm yes you, when you make your company you do it how you like <laughs> <laughs> um so so axiom posted in chat asking uh, how did you end up at valve and what major work have you done there so far that you can point to yeah i ended up at valve through a very unusual path well maybe i don't know um what i recommend is if you see valve or another game company that you like talking at like a conference or like they're coming to your organization to give a talk, go to that talk. And after the talk, talk to the talker, um, meet the person who's giving the talk and introduce yourself and say, you know, here's my portfolio and follow up with an email to them, get their email and um, just write a very short email showing your portfolio um, because long-winded emails will get lost in the shuffle because they meet a lot of people. But whoever's representing the company you're interested in, um, definitely meet them and if they're in your city that helps a lot um if a video game company is based in a city that you're not in um relocation is a hard sell companies like to see that you're in the same city that they are so seattle's great if you uh, just in terms of the number of companies that are located in seattle so the pieces of advice i would give to you is that just go to those talks like whenever a company's talking at gdc i met um a fella at Valve. And so we were trying to get advice about our indie game. And he saw the art for our indie game and he thought it might be usable at Valve somewhere. Um, and so not just my art, but like my writing and my just the decisions I was making. And um, and so I've been working on Steam stuff, like Steam sale art. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's what I would say. That's my biggest piece of advice: is meet the people that you um, idolize and and who are who came to talk to you. They came to reach out to the community, so make it worth their while because they they've come to meet you and they want to meet you know the up and coming generation of people who are gonna be the stars of this industry. And I think that's who is listening to me right now you are the, you're the future so 
just take all the opportunities that you can and network among your friends. Like if there's, yeah, a, a SIG or, or a Seattle Indies is a great group that I was involved in. Yeah, Terrence mentioned that last week. And I'm kind of worried that we're, so far, almost all of our speakers have been from Seattle. I'm kind of worried that people are like, Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. And like, we're not the center of the world, but yeah. No, no, we're not. By, by no means are we. Um, but yeah, I'm just talking to my experience. and Right. It basically, communities of support and like meetup, local meetup groups and networking in your area can make a really big impact. Totally. Totally. And there, there are group, you know, indie studios that are in the middle of nowhere and they have tremendous success. And maybe that's near your town or your town has a few, a few companies that you're having your eye on. But yeah. And I've heard success stories of people just knocking on the door of a studio and going in and saying, you know, I think I could help out in this area. Would you be interested? Um, so just literally knocking on doors is a thing that I've, I've heard more than once working. Yeah, people, uh, I guess there's like a balance to it. Like on one hand, when you meet someone, you don't want to have your entire like relationship with them be defined by you trying to get a job. But on the other hand, I think a lot of people just never ask. And right. that yeah. that's also like not good. <laughs> right. It's a, It's truly a balance. Yeah. Like, it's better if they come to you, like if, if they've seen your work and they come to you, that's like a total pie in the sky thing. Like if you make something good enough that it gets noticed in that way, that's a total dream. Um, but yeah, you're probably going to have to meet someone or apply to something um, and make your, make your stuff as presentable as possible. Like, don't, like if the website is older looking or has bad design like even if you're not a graphic designer just get a template or something because the website is like often the first impression that art directors or um people in gaming see and so yeah just take a look at like squarespace has good templates like even something like that is a good way to present yourself because even if it's a solid game but the presentation is bad um that can turn people off or just not not make your stuff shine um, in the way that it should be. But yeah, that's another piece of advice. So Liam asked in chat, uh, he, uh, when it comes to high profile studios such as Valve, how significant is the impact of references? Slash, did you know any past, present employees at Valve? Um, I met my connection at GDC. So basically, like con conferences and conventions and um, and any meetup where industry professionals are is just put yourself in the right place at the right time, um, as well as applying places. I don't know the percentage of how people find their way into into the gaming industry via either path, but um, from my own personal experience, um, yeah. Just to mention earlier about the question of what you worked on, I remember you posting about the artwork that you did for the, what was it, was it the, the holiday sales? Yeah, it was the autumn sale and the winter sale. Ooh. Um, yeah, so I had to create art for each, each day of the sale. And so, yeah, it's, uh, I don't want to go into it too much because I'll just get into the weeds really quick, but. Did it, uh, I'm 
just kind of curious, did it remind you of the contract work that you did before uh, for the government? It did, because with the government position, I was afforded pretty much um, a lot of trust and freedom in what I was doing because of my portfolio, I guess, or what, I don't know why they gave me such a high degree of freedom, but I was able to kind of um, take it in a direction that I wanted and working with other people, of course, collaborating with other people and always sharing what you're thinking. So you're not, you're not off in your own corner doing what you think is best. You're always like openly sharing where you are in the process and what you're thinking. Um, so you can have like iterative feedback from multiple people because you don't have a boss. So you're just trying to manage what you're doing yourself and just get the input of people who know way more than you and trusting them and taking their feedback gracefully and having no ego, basically just having no, um, no personal connection to your work, although it's, it's your baby, but just be very ready to gracefully say, oh yeah, that is a good point. I'll, I'll, I'll make that edit or thanks for that. Um, I never saw it that way. Um, cause they have so much more experience than you likely. Um, even if it's in your area of expertise and a new set of eyes will always find something you haven't been able to see. Um, so yeah. So Axiom asked, uh, have you done any artwork for any of Valve's games yet that you can talk about, or can you not talk about that? Um, I cannot. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you said that uh, the general structure at Valve is does a lot of projects are kind of free to decide what you get to work on. Um, and I, I've always been curious about like, how does that actually work? Um, because I imagine there's tasks that like are unpopular and like how do they get done and all that. <laughs> it's, oh man, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it's just like at any company, like whoever wants to accumulate goodwill. If you want to accumulate some good karma, take on the tasks that nobody wants to do, especially if you're starting out. Like Be a good team player. Yeah, totally. Take one for the team. And whatever you do, do it in a fantastic way and with a good attitude. And people will notice. My grandfather told me someone is always watching. And that was such good advice because whether you think they are or not, like people um, are going to talk about you. <laughs> and not in a bad way. Like, make it not in a bad way. Like, make them say, man, he's awesome at that thing. He really did such a good job. Like, did you see what he, he did? Uh, did you see what they're doing? So, yeah, just take, like, have no ego. Be very humble. And I'm learning that. I mean, I'm not learning. That's cool. It's just how I operate because I feel like a total imposter everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just make yourself useful and. Um, yeah, be respectful and good to work with. How long have you been at Valve? Um, I've been at Valve for, oh man, since like April. Um, oh, cool. So like right after GDC? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a total baby at Valve. Um, <laughs> yeah, still learning. But with the government thing, it taught me to just, if you like make yourself irreplaceable or take on things that, um, that you're interested in and that you know that you can bring something good to, then try to do that thing. Um. So, you, so you brought up how you, right now you still feel a little bit like an imposter. Uh, 
felt like you you've made it in the industry or have you, you not felt that yet <laughs> i don't think i'll ever ever feel that way because there will always be someone who's better than you let's just face it there's always someone better than you so it's just a question of uh are you happy doing what you're doing and do you feel you're doing a good job at it because like even the people who are like really good at their jobs they're going to have weaknesses and at valve people are really open about like it's kind of like a best idea wins thing like no matter how senior you are if someone has a, a note or like a, a way to improve something um just like obliquely like say like oh would it be better this way or like have have we tried this thing and so people are really good about um yeah just uh, i have to get back to imposter syndrome <laughs> 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 but yeah maybe in a few years i will i will feel not that way but yeah. i also wonder like i know a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome as something that discourages them and like hurts like they make it makes them take refuse to take steps that would otherwise help their careers um but i also wonder if it if there's a if there's a plus side to it like maybe being unsure of yourself means you work harder or you're at least second guessing your stuff uh, and like maybe there's a good balance in there as well totally the positive side of it is that you can ask for feedback and don't be afraid to ask the dumb question because that other person might might not have seen it at that level of dumbness they <laughs> they might not have chosen to examine it at that basal fundamental level at which i am operating um <laughs> so don't be afraid to ask the dumb questions because you're fearing being found out um oh yeah definitely <laughs> like just because that'll hurt you in the end if you make assumptions that aren't true or don't understand something fundamentally or had a, a miscommunication. If you the interest of communication, like frame it that way, like you know. Yeah, that's that's a really good way of looking at it. And another thing that I noticed that you, as you said, like uh, if you really want to feel like an imposter, then you should like sneak around and hide, <laughs> like by by not by not asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's something I've been very aware of lately is how do I not let myself sneak around like just get like get the guts to show that I'm I'm not knowledgeable of whatever thing or that I missed whatever thing that I was expecting not to miss <laughs> yeah totally totally it's all in the interest of communication like just trying to get us on the same page you know that kind of framing is good um just so I'm understanding, that's another good prefix <laughs> before a thing you say. <laughs> or, and people are always learning. Like, don't assume that someone knows something because they might not know the thing. Like, they might need to watch a YouTube video or do a quick Google, you know? Like, I think we ascribe more knowledge to people than they have. We put people on pedestals and they... Um, yeah, and these are some of the soft skills that you said earlier that you learned at your, your non-game jobs. And so it's... Always tell people like get the most out of whatever work you get even if it's not in games like it can really make an impact in your career mm -hmm. like just as a skills a skills point of view mm -hmm. yeah i did some like a little bit of project management and leading projects and there you get a real sense of communication and how important that is um it sounds really squishy and um 
like in the 90s there was a really good article lately about the new the new um soft skills like how they've been denigrated and because in the 90s it was like one guy's job to like schmooze and to be the hr guy like this this like uh fuzzy feelings type thing and that's um it got kind of a bad reputation among engineers like but now it's it's getting more respect because everyone needs soft skills it's like it's not just one guy's job to boost morale or like um like motivate people it's kind of everyone's job to <laughs> be good to work with soft skills i forget the article i'll have to send it to you I saw a tweet that was joking something somewhere along that lines. It was, it was like a half joke because like they're like ten years ago, everyone went in tech was talking about like really hard technical problems like how do we do this? How do we invent this? Now nowadays everyone's talking about how do we act as better employees? How do we solve HR and communicate better? And like that that's where the biggest problems are now. It's not necessarily like profession like related stuff. Yeah, people. Like the '90s were a giant lesson in like uh, how to avoid the grind. Like I feel like back then the attitude was martyrdom and glamorizing martyrdom and having no life was a good thing. But now people are beginning to realize how deleterious that is to your health and to your personal relationships. So like, yeah, work-life balance is is becoming more and more prioritized, which I'm I'm loving. Well, there are always exceptions to that, but I think generally people are at least more mindful of it um, in tech. Especially as like in gaming, there have never been it's never been better and it's never been worse. Like it's there have never been more opportunities and interest, but also never more competition. So as people as companies try to attract talent, those those kinds of quality of life things are gonna be more important and valued by companies because they can exploit people as quietly too. Like now people are talking openly about exploitative companies and practices. Um so yeah and it's it's anymore yeah it's really i also just really love that whole conversation because uh as a job seeker like even if you don't think it's relevant to know about like hiring practices or companies uh like management problems uh it can still like it can be a little both discouraging and encouraging like it's encouraging in the sense of if you don't get a job or if a job isn't that great like it's it helps a lot to know like well maybe that's the company's fault like <laughs> maybe it's not maybe it's not their fault maybe it's not all on them as like when you're first starting out you tend to accept a lot of stuff at face value even if you shouldn't uh and you you like that's why uh historically the, the games industry has had such a big problem with crunch like people starting their careers see it see it as normal when they shouldn't mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's how I got into proposal writing in DC. Like all these people, all these IT companies competing for government work, they want to bid at the lowest price and have the most, um, the most bang for your buck. And writing proposals to convey that, like they exploit these fresh out of college students, i.e., me. Um, you had to work evenings and weekends and um, just writing proposal after proposal, and it was a total grind. And if you didn't come in on the weekend, that was seen as like this huge, huge thing. Like if someone asserted themselves. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was really toxic. But that's just DC, I guess. <laughs> so Axiom has a question that I'm I, I'm kind of interested in as well. Uh, so 
I'm, I'm just going to read it. It's a little long. Uh, I understand if you don't want to answer this question, so it's fine if you don't answer. But people at Valve often say they do things based upon what their customers want and the feedback that is given. So if that's true, why does Valve seem to have no interest in single-player games anymore? Because it does. It seems a lot of customers want more single-player games from Valve. Hard question that I don't really expect an answer to, but I, I thought I'd give it a try. That is a really good question. I wish I could answer it competently, but I don't feel that I <clears throat> I would be probably I would probably bungle it up if I were to attempt to answer that. Um but if Valve gives a talk in your neighborhood, um I think they could be able to answer that question. I just don't want to bungle it up. <laughs> Sorry. That's probably the safe answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I've been thinking about that as well, and I'm just I'm just like curious to maybe hear from people who have been involved for like really many a many number of years, uh, just to like get a sense of like how has the company changed over time. Usually the, the sense in Valve is, like you said, that there's a lot of projects you can choose what to work on. But if that's true, if you can choose what to work on, like how does that translate to, say, game projects? Uh, and, and also, like, how do how do larger green light, how do larger projects get green light? Uh, and all like I, I'm just like very curious about how things even work there, <laughs> how decisions get made, and also just how the companies, uh, this, things have changed over time. Uh, but I understand it. Like, if first of all, if you can't talk about it, oh, and also you just like you haven't been there for like a, a decade, so <laughs> yeah. The, the first cause is the second thing. Yeah. Yeah, you haven't been there for like a decade. <laughs> no, and I can't speak to how it was, but. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it's based on interest, basically, like just critical mass, like how many people are interested in this thing or, or think it's a good idea to do and we think we can do it well. Um, and that's about all I, all I know. <laughs> um, yeah, it might even be good to, uh, if you... If you really want to get to know a certain company, especially if you aspire to work there, to look up interviews that they have done around. Mm -hmm. uh, that was actually a strategy that I had, that uh, I believe a friend told me, like, uh, I forget the company. It might have been Blizzard, even. <laughs> uh, but this, this person just really wanted to work there, and they just ate up every single interview that they could find with, about the developers, and they gained so much knowledge, and they even started to think like them. It was kind of creepy. <laughs> uh, but, but like, that might be a good way to, like, satisfy your curiosity of, like, how do things work there? <laughs> like Other people have, have spoken about this and written about this on the Internet um, who are not me. So I, yeah. There, yeah, and that as a strategy is something that I've been trying to get better at too. Like, mm -hmm. like I have an, another friend who, like, every time we enjoy like a really good piece of art, like whether it's like a movie or a game or like a TV show, like I would just like find him looking up interviews with the creators, and I'm like, oh, this is great stuff, and like I would like I need to think to do that more, like just yeah. hear from the people who made the. the your favorite stuff <laughs> yeah like for kentucky route zero like i never would have expected that they reference like stagecraft in making uh the game you know these very unexpected things you could only find by just deep diving into what 
the things you're passionate about, the media that that you love? How did it get to be that so great? Like, what did they reference? Because nothing's created in a vacuum. They they were in a soup too of things that they loved, um, and they combined two or three or four things that they only four. You can't combine five things. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> combine things that they like. Um, also, I saw a thing from Axiom. Um, um, that Valve or other companies might might not come to your area. Um, and I feel this so much because I was in a small town in Virginia. Um, and I that's why I didn't think I could ever get into games or any even like a truly creative career. Um, because like it didn't seem accessible or or at all possible because I wasn't in the right place. So it just took some time um, for me to like save up enough to go to a conference and like the first conference I ever went to was SIGGRAPH and even though I was yeah with my (laughs) ex-husband so there I learned like that art and tech are not so different after all like they they really can interact in a cool way yeah so so for those who don't know what SIGGRAPH is it's it's I believe the ACM special interest group of graphics is that right Mm -hmm. I think so. And it's it's also just like this industry famous event for uh, like animation and like the blend. It, like I, you see a lot of videos every time SIGGRAPH happens. It's like uh, among industry circles, videos go viral of like amazing research projects and like creative projects. Uh, like I remember one year, I believe the year that Frozen came out, Pixar showed some incredible like physics snow physics driven snow animations Mm. Uh, and like that's the kind of like crazy like advanced tech plus really creative stuff that you tend to see there yeah it's it's really cool the talks and the people that are there they get really good speakers like i saw the leads team at at dreamworks talk about the crudes and i know that was such a huge hit (laughs) the c-r-o-o-d-s it was like about cavemen um, but I got to see them talk about that, <laughs> and I was like, I, I got to hear about the next big like <laughs> DreamWorks movie. But to hear them talk about, they didn't even talk about the technical side too much. But it's just such a good environment to like marinate in that conference. But like anyway, um, don't let being in a small town or or a remote place or somewhere where gaming isn't like the gaming industry isn't discourage you from trying to work toward that goal and it takes years like i grew up very poor with a single mom in a small town and it only took years like 10 years of grinding it out um but it makes it all the more satisfying when when you do get there and i i it was such an unlikely path for me so just like do your best and um yeah that's all i can say yeah I think a lot of people tend to have unlikely paths <laughs> in the industry. It's kind of like having an unlikely path is kind of the most likely path. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yes, totally. And that's like anything that you can do to maximize your odds helps. Like like going out to a conference or making stuff, talking to whoever you, you can. Mm-hmm. It's all about maximizing those odds. And maybe if you go on meetup.com, there's like, uh, in your town, there's like a group of weirdos that you might like to hang out with. And just put yourself out there, however small the town, however unlikely it is. I've heard of meetups that even, like, organize.
organize to get buses together to get people from neighboring towns uh, to attend. Like I believe the IGDA Finland chapter does that. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I might be wrong. I might be wrong about which chapter did that, but I think it was that. Mm. Yeah, like the more experiences you have, the more people you meet, the the bigger your network will be, and the more used used to putting yourself out there you are. <clears throat> yeah. So we have two questions from Axiom that we kind of stepped over. Uh, the first one was, uh, at Valve, you get to decide what you work on every day. So what goes into your decision making when you work on a project? There are probably so many cool projects at Valve. What influences your decisions personally? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like partially like where do they need help? Where have you heard needs help? Because a lot of it's like talking to people and seeing what's what's needed. and. Um, and if, if people have got it under control, you don't want to, like, step on any toes. So you're like, oh, okay, they, they got it under control. So if another area needs help, they'll they'll call on you. Like, it's a mix of being interested and, like, both keys of the submarine have to turn. You have to be interested and they have to be interested in you. So um, that's mainly it. Like, that's just the raw mechanic of how that works. Okay. Yeah. The other question was, when is the next Steam Dev Days? That might be, do you think it's a good event for students to attend? Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, I don't know either. I miss Steam Dev Days every time it happens, and I'm always like, what? It happened. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was watching the old talks, and like one of the guys that I am in a meeting with like is was one of the talks talkers, and I was like, oh my god, I work with, he's famous. <laughs> um, so I just looked it up, and it looks like their next one is in October in Seattle. Oh, rad. Don't they, is, do they have this, like, multiple times a year, like, in different locations? I don't know if they do. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not involved with that, so I, I'll speak out of turn if I try to say anything. I'll mix something up. <laughs> um, I, I'm also not sure, but... Do you, I, you may have to be like an official developer somehow to attend, but uh, like I might be, I might be making stuff up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it is something good to look into. Like any any opportunities that you can get, just vet them out more competently on that. Yeah. Yeah, this year Axiom. Wait a minute. Here. The website says 2016. Oh, dang. Did they not have one in 2017? I'm not sure. <laughs> We're all lost. <laughs> it's worth a Google. Yeah. But if, if there's no info, yeah. So it's almost we're almost out of time. We have like seven plus minutes left. We started a little late, uh, yeah. but I also want to respect your time. Uh, if this is a good time to ask any last questions. Yeah, this is a good use of my time. I like talking to talking to folks. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a general question that I kind of like to ask everyone, which is, uh, do you have any future career goals at this point? Um, future career goals. Um, just to learn more about the technical side. 
because um, I'm not a technical artist. So that's a big gap that I could fulfill, but it's just at the cost of like doing things that I can do, if that makes sense. Like second oh, yeah. easy wins for learning, like putting your time into learning a thing. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a big thing, just to skill up. I think that's everyone's goal. But. Yeah, I, 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 it seems like a lot of people, like their goals are to learn a little bit of other people's careers. <laughs> Like, like I have, you have your profession of choice, but then like everyone seems to get a craving to learn other people's skills and like adopt them into their work. Yeah, because who doesn't want to be like the the Swiss Army knife, you know? Yeah, I feel like most of GDC, like a, like a two years ago, like the running theme of GDC was, wouldn't it be great if so and so profession took learnings from this other profession and like. It, the, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not as, as like, that's, that gets to the eternal debate of like nature versus nurture, like aptitude versus attitude. Like if you really apply yourself, you can learn anything. But the barrier for me was just, I, I didn't fancy myself bad at math. Like I actually am bad at math. Like I tried as much as I could, but it's almost to the extent that I am like enumerate, like illiterate, but like I just have trouble with numbers. Um, it's just a weakness of mine that I, I'm aware of. Um, but maybe if I spent more less time drawing and more time practicing math, I would be in a different place. But it's just where you where you put your skills and where you put your time practicing things. So yeah, it's like a skill tree. Absolutely. Like I wouldn't be here if I was being, spending time being better, <sighs> learning programming. I'm I'm so I'm looking for, I usually like look for game jams to like mess around with weird stuff like I remember one of some game jams ago I I didn't know anything about like networking and I'm like I want to make something that's networked and like I did it in all the wrong ways like it on it like if you as a programmer wanted to make a unity project that has multiplayer in it you would just use some off-the-shelf system like the one that's provided in unity but in at the time like i was working with i was working with a bunch of uh web developers and like we're gonna make a server and we're gonna like send calls to it and have the right uh, program on the server that does these things and it was like it's the wrong way but because it was a game jam like we embraced failure in a way and it let us goof off in in that way and like sure yeah and another another tactic i use is uh depending on a jam i might work alone specifically so that i can goof off even more and not feel bad if i'm like letting my team down <laughs> ah, the ultimate freedom to let yourself down <laughs> yeah and that, like that way you can really learn something like radically new and not feel like you're uh, you're like hurting the team if you because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> that is the ultimate freedom. Yes. <laughs> Any more questions? Are you going to GDC, Livio? I am. Yes. Uh, I make it a point to go every year, and I've 
talked a lot about like whether or not it's a good like return on investment kind of thing and I'm like I don't know if it is but I go because I want to and I, I just really like it <laughs> I will save up my money all year for it oh nice yeah yeah that's it's a pretty penny but yeah it's worth it for just for the connections man um yeah I still want to figure out if I'm going to go via plane or train. Oh, man, the train jam would be awesome. That's, that makes me wish I was in Chicago. There's there's a little Facebook group amongst Seattle people trying. It's, like, not really a group. It's, like, we should have made it a chat, but someone made it a group instead. <laughs> uh, but, like, we're trying, thinking, like, can we take a train from Seattle to San Francisco? and Our own train jam. Yeah. It's a 24-hour trip, and it's, like, starts early in the morning and then arrives early in the morning the next day. Uh, it's not the it's not the be- it's not like a three day jam like the Chicago one is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm. That that plan is a little, very slow to get off the ground. Uh, Maybe next year it might not happen. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> one minute left. One minute. The clock's running out. <laughs> Uh, you didn't talk much about uh, your time at Spite House. Oh, yeah. Um, at Spite House, we're developing an indie game. Um, that's the thing we were trying to get advice on from this Valve representative that we met with. And, um, yeah, we're still in the process of developing it and um, just looking for help from developers because we all come from a film and TV background with a great interest in video games. But, um we're just so busy with video editing and and graphic design, um, our day jobs. That it's hard for us to learn those things, like in a way that's not dangerous. <laughs> so, how did Spite House work? Uh, did you all have, maintain day, uh, day jobs and then start this little company on the side to work on this? Yes. Yeah. Just in order to pay the rent and make a living wage, we needed to. We couldn't quit our jobs. Um, but, but yeah. It's it's still in process. It's just taking a while. Time is the thing that has to slip. Um, but yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> but it's very enjoyable though, to have a passion project on the side that we can all work together on. Axiom um, asked, have you ever talked to Gabe about... Like, have you ever uh, spoken to the senior leadership of the company? Like... I don't know how common that would be like meet the actual ceo and founder of a company mm-hmm. it's it's um more common at valve for the senior leadership to be more open and present um than at other companies i think this is what i've heard so uh-huh. i've had the opportunity to, to speak with senior people um and i see gabe around every so often um so, yeah. A, yeah it's really cool when when I was at Microsoft, I saw the CEO Sia Nadella pretty often, but it, w- it was always at some kind of event that he was there. Like, oh. uh, like, like he never just like roamed around the company. It's just too big of a company. But it, like he would have like a recurring uh, company. Uh, what, what was it called? It was basically like an AMA. <laughs> uh, wow. But. Yeah, and he would host it at different sites around the company, like different office.
mistresses, uh, and it was, it was it'll be through video. And one time he came to ours, our part of the campus. Oh boy. <laughs> I also just like every now and then like they have their hackathons and their other big event showcases and so he's usually around there. Mm, mm. It's kind of funny like it, it sounds so much more laid back but like at Microsoft it off, honestly it, he he came across as like the busiest guy I've ever seen like he's surrounded by aides who are like taking notes and stuff. And <laughs> new an entourage i bet yeah. super busy the size of that company man yeah valve is relatively small so i think that's that's why that is <laughs> microsoft has departments that are way bigger than many companies mm, mm, sure yeah they used to have those at the it contractor i worked for called town halls so you would just like yeah. into this <laughs> video conference call yeah are there any managers at Valve at all? Like, are there people who just specialize in management who work at Valve or not? Um, I, I mean, to an extent, everyone has that responsibility. But um, if someone feels the need to impose, impose like impose order. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, anyone can do that. Like, if you feel like you have a good sense of things and direction, and you have everyone's buy-in. Um, pretty much everyone's anyone's free to do that. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of who wants to take on the mantle. Um. Cool. Looks like we're out of time. All right. Thanks a lot for talking with us. Yeah, thank you for asking me questions <laughs> and taking time out of your busy days. So I really appreciate your listening. And um, yeah, send me an email um, if you have any other questions or. Feel, feel free to post your, your contact on the Discord chat. Yes. Cool. Okay. I'll send them. Also, good luck to everyone doing Global Game Jam this weekend. Yes. Good luck, everyone. Yes. Happy jamming. And I will see you around. See ya. Have a good weekend. All right. You too. Have a good one.